This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com slash ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com slash ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal, but I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is the iFanboy of Pick of the League podcast, episode X. Hello, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode X. Um, I shouldn't even say that over again, should I? Eh. <laughs> it might be 18. If you're hearing this, uh, wonders of nature have been uh, have been worked. 
or uh, or it's much later than it was recorded. Or it's a really late Christmas miracle. Or it's like a it's like a it's like a DVD extra on our, <laughs> on our box set. Right. <laughs> to tell what's iFanboy? iFanboy.com is a website that I, Connor Kilpatrick, Josh Flanagan, hello, and the absent Ron Richards. We all run and we talk about comics and we love comics. And every week we read our weekly stash of comic books and one of us picks the best one from that week and then we write about it on the website and then we talk about it on this here podcast which you may or may not be hearing this week josh has the pick so take it away josh and i did the pick last week too because i'm that kind of guy this week was a simple easy pick uh i had a good stack of books a lot of books for me i think six or seven books uh, plus some old back issues and there was a new hellblazer a new new avengers uh I shouldn't put new in a title because of that. New Loveless, Runaways, uh, Testament from Vertigo. Um, and, but uh, the last book I read was the best book I read. It was Daredevil 82, which was Ed Brubaker and Michael Lark's first uh, entrance into this title. And uh, I believe that I am not alone in saying that I was completely blown away by how good this was. It was, uh, I think, I don't know if I'd be out of bounds saying it's one of the better single-issue comics I've read in a while. Yeah. Yeah, it, it it was like one of those things where it, it felt uh, a lot. Like, I, I don't know if it was twenty two pages or not, but there was a lot of stuff in there, and I was just like, "Ooh, there's more pages." You know, they they've stopped numbering pages, and I don't know why, but that's a trend in, in recent years. So I couldn't tell you, but it, I mean, it feels like a regular size comic. And you're right, though, it, it was so jam packed full of action and intrigue that it felt like you read three or four issues. Yeah, it was good pages with tons and tons of panels on them, and but it wasn't like overly wordy. I don't think he, I mean, he's a, he's a talkative guy, but um, no, he's not. He's not Bendis in that in that sense, but he's no, it's dense and and in, in a really good way. Um, and then, so basically, where where it is is that when we talked about it last time, um, on Bendis's last issue, uh, Matt Murdock found himself in jail uh, because the government accuses him of being Daredevil, which of course he is, but he can't tell them he is, and that's illegal to be a vigilante. And, and it was just a hell of a hole to be in. And apparently he, he had talked to Brubaker beforehand and said, this is kind of where I'm thinking of going. And Brubaker said, who was going to follow him, said, okay, I can work with that, which is, is one of the braver decisions I can think <laughs> of because that's a hell of a place to start in prison. True. So you open up this book and, and you, you get this sort of like Hell's Kitchen, New York City. It's not a nice place anymore, and it's all dirty and horrible, and people are having crimes from perpetrated, perpetrated against them. And then you turn the page, and there's a big, a beautiful two-page spread of uh, Daredevil ostensibly jumping through the darkness and the rain. Wait a minute, he's in jail! And the next page tells you that. Actually, no, there's a fight scene. Um, but then, then of course, you're, you're, you sort of think, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. You turn the page, and, and you see Matt sitting in his cell. Um... And, I mean, I, I really like Michael Art's, Michael Lark's art probably when, when he was first on Gotham Central. And then he left, the other guy filled in, the other guy was pretty good. And I was like, oh, this is fine. And I don't think I realized how good it was until I'm seeing it again, because I, this art is just outstanding. He's a great draftsman. I mean, really, it's got sort of a photographic quality while at the same time having a, a highly stylistic sort of it's very it's got a lot of lines in it rather than shading right um it really just very nice his his uh his anatomy on on like the daredevil as it jumps through the air is just such a dynamic pose and it looks real he's not overly muscly and you can see like that's a great like, two-page spread it looks like fabric it doesn't look like just red skin you know what i'm right. saying right looks like he's wearing something 
Yeah, but it, it's still, you know, form-fitting and all that. It's just, I mean, what a great shot. And, and you know, in the foreground is this giant head on the right side, and and that should be taking up most of your attention, but it's all in black, and it's just the red image against the, the non-color of the rest of it. But not only the art there, but... Um... The whole the color game. scheme with the rain and the dark and the shadows, the, everything's still clear. Um, it's just a great job all around. This is a really strong art team. Yeah, it's perfect for for Daredevil. Frank de, de Armada mm-hmm. is the colorist, and it's just a really good work right and there. And I, I think that you're getting a higher. Um, oh, oh, my middle page has a staple problem. Oh no, it's okay. You just lost twenty five um, cents off of your value. There's no How value. will your future kids go to college? I know it's not going to be on my comic books. Um, I think that the page quality in this is actually better than it was in Gotham Central, so it's a little less muddy. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the paper sure. quality and, the, and everything comes through a little better, and that actually makes a big difference. Absolutely. Um, but that's what you get with a big tier book. Funny One people actually they, buy. It's funny because they cancel Gotham Central, which is really excellent. Had this exact same team. You put them on Daredevil, and this will be the biggest book ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, like, that's comics for you. It's sad, and not that it's not a. It's a really good book. It is, and and uh, that's part of the thing that we're talking about. It's it all. It shows Matt's in prison. Matt's got all sorts of problems. Who else is in prison? In prison. Um, he's in prison. He's. In the, you don't have to quiz me. You can just say it. I just want to make sure you read um, the book, Kingpin. I I did. Kingpin's in there, and uh, and Hammerhead, and and the, basically the the thing going on is that the FBI guy who's taken who's captured Matt and put the charges up against him wants to transfer him to Gen Pop. And if you've ever watched uh, prison dramas such as Oz, you would know that means general population. And you know that's not good. I'm not comparing this to Oz, by the way. I refuse to do that. It's too easy. <laughs> Although one, one might say that you could compare uh, Daredevil to Beecher and, and Kingpin to Schillinger. Okay, I'm, I'm, just, not doing I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not. I, see, every time you read anything about prison now, they're immediately like, it's like Oz mixed with blah, blah, blah. And eh, I'm not doing that. Stupid. And where's the sixth season on DVD? God damn it. <laughs> um, so Matt's in there, and they're trying to get him transferred to Gen Pop, but he's blind legally, so they're not actually allowed to do that. But they figure if they flush him out into the open and where people will attack him. Uh, and he'll have to defend himself being, and prove he's Daredevil and then. Right. And then they've got him dead to rights or just dead. Which, um, which I think is seems to be the thing they actually want. This is a good learning experience, though, for me. If I'm ever uh, being sent to federal prison, I'll just gouge my eyes out. <laughs> that's that's Kilpatrick. He runs at the first sign of trouble. <laughs> I think I would rather be blind in protective custody than able to see in the general population. Because let's face it, I'm not lasting very long in the general population. You're a big guy. Yeah, but like you said, my first <laughs> instinct is to run. And there's nowhere to run in prison. No, there isn't. <laughs> but uh, there's, there's three walls and a mean man at the other side. <laughs> but what Josh is saying is there's there's multiple storylines. There's who is this mysterious person dressed as Daredevil fighting crime in Hell's Kitchen? Um, Kingpin is trying to set up Daredevil to, to be killed in, in prison. Hammerhead's trying to hurt Daredevil in prison. The FBI is trying to hurt Daredevil in prison. And this is all being interweaved, and it's all very dense. And, and there's a whole other story about Foggy, uh, Murdoch's partner, best friend, lawyer. Uh, and he's come. Ben Ben Urich from the the paper is the only guy who's known who Daredevil was all along, or one of the only guys, uh, is coming to talk to him about the idea that he's going into court to defend Daredevil or to defend Murdoch against being Daredevil. But really, he'd be lying because he is Daredevil. And and how does he square that? It's a moral issue. This is, and and you know it's funny because all of this stuff is in there, 
and it 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 doesn't feel like it was rushed. No, not at all. It doesn't feel like it feels like it's a, a little long. I don't know. I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but like how they fit it all in there. It's but it's a single issue. It's it's an amazing bit of craft. I I honestly sometimes you read comics and you're like you know you fly through it in, in two minutes and it's over. Uh, this one this one took a while. You had to absorb it all. There's a lot there's a lot going on. A lot of reading. A lot of um, tw- you know those twelve page twelve panel pages and mm. it's not it's it's almost the exact opposite of the. Warren Ellis widescreen comics like Planetary that are over it, and you know it's that over ninety. Se- no, but when you read those, you're done in ninety seconds. Yeah, this is a this is a long one. This is a meal. This one is like you've earned. You know, you've earned your three dollars worth. You know, here, here's something. I think that I think that this style of comic book really lends itself to where single issues should be going right now, whereas the other style seems more like where trades. Oh, totally. Be. If you're if you're working in the widescreen quote-unquote widescreen style of Warren Ellis with the three panels a page and... Uh, Grant, Grant Morrison invented Well, that. what do they call it? Um, with the, it was the D word. Uh, nah, well, it's not important. That was 19, That was 2000. Um, that that <laughs> lends itself to, to trades because otherwise you feel ripped off if it's a single issue. It's a, it's a slower This, this and, and story. similarly Gotham Central, they were great as single issues. Right, yeah, absolutely. The only problem with Gotham Central I had in single issues was that there was usually a lot of details and a lot of faces, and sometimes it was hard to keep them straight in your mind from month to month. No, that's true, because the characters, you know, you've got a lot of just a lot 30-ish on, but... brunette guys in the police force, and they look the same. <laughs> oh, white guys. <laughs> um... So it was really good. I could gush on and on about it, but uh, I think that pretty much covers it. I know. We were, we were talking way back at Thanksgiving about the, uh, when we had a Daredevil podcast and how terrified we were about the person coming on after Bendis and how they were screwed and how there was no way they were going to recover. And he did, he did quite, quite a nice job. <laughs> I think so. So it's uh, it's pretty impressive. If this issue is any, indi- any indication, we're going to have a good year of Daredevil following uh, – is, is that how long he's on it? Do we know? Oh, I don't know, but I just figured, I mean, I figure he goes on for, a, I'm just, I was just worried when it ended, when Bendis ended it, it would, Daredevil would fall back through the cracks, but I figure this is going to keep it going, quality you know, Daredevil's been pretty good for at least a half a decade. Oh, sure. I mean, that's, that's impressive. From the time that, that Kevin Smith started writing it, mm-hmm. right up through now, it was a little bit from, uh, from, um, what's his name? Mac Kabuki, David Mac. That was not the same tone as this, but it was really good still. Oh, absolutely. Created Echo was a great character. I mean, this is this is a run. Right. I mean, they're 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 high up on the ridge right now, and I you know. I think it's it's interesting that Daredevil attracts the talent. It's sort of like the Marvel version of Batman. Well, I think that you can give that all to Frank Miller. Sure. Well, Frank Miller did it for both characters. Interesting. He's not doing it now. No, but I mean, it's, it seems to be the, the character that these these guys want to write. So, uh, do you read anything else? What do you got? What else do you got for me? Well, I read um, Loveless first, and I thought for sure you would stick your thumb in everybody's eye and pick that and have two cowboy books in a row. I'm sick of picking books no one wants to talk about or reads. <laughs> I just thought it'd be funny if we had two pick of the weeks in a row that were cowboy books that nobody reads but you and I. <laughs> well, we're doing God's work. And then we could just go totally inside and nobody will care what we say. Let's, let's just talk about this for 20 minutes or so. Um, no one's going to hear it. So Loveless is the other big cowboy western book out there. And Josh and I have discussed it in the past. D- written by Brian Obfuscation Azarello. Right. <laughs> and some excellent art by Marcelo Frusen. Yeah, good color schemes too. 
But um, in the past, we, we were saying other podcasts how we didn't know what was really going on in this book. A and B, how long it was running for because mentally you sort of read miniseries and, and open series differently. You expect more to happen in a miniseries, more development. You whereas if it's an ongoing series, you can you can put up with a certain amount of confusion, thinking that it all it all makes sense eventually. Unless you're this, reading the filth. Right. Well, I think we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, this book, at the end, it's revealed that next issue is the conclusion. So apparently this is a five-issue miniseries, which leads me to ask, um, as of issue four, I still don't know what's going on. I have a better idea than I did. Okay. Well, I mean, basically, can... I'm pretty sure that the like the wife that he's been talking to the whole time are all flashbacks. I, th- well, I the, think. But in the beginning, she was... Killing people, wasn't she? I mean, didn't somebody in the first issue he ride up to town with somebody else on a horse? Maybe that happened in the past. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. See, like, I but if you look at the cover, colors all all in color. Ugh, the cover is all in color except for her. Right, she's that's in true. black and white. Now he doesn't. They don't say she's dead because he keeps asking where she is and when she left. Right. Basically, what it is, you've got this guy who is in it's Missouri or something like that. I think and so. It's during the, it's it's just after the Civil War, and in Missouri would be right in the middle of the North and the South, and and so they align themselves in this town with the South, um, and uh, the war is over, and now the U.S. the the Union has declared martial law and taken over everybody's property who fought against them. Uh, and he's come back to get his house, and he finds out that the Union is occupying his house, and it's no longer his, according to them. So they offer him a deal that he, they, he can come work for them because he's got nowhere else to go. At the same time, all of his old friends and people that he fought with against the Union are running this sort of guerrilla-style insurgency. Um, and he's sort of striding a line between all of them, and but, we don't know which way he's going to go. But there's also this weird subplot with an escaped slave, which... It's basically just he's just been running for four issues, and he gets chased by the clan here, and I don't understand what that has to do with anything either. I assume it will. Well, again, we just have to assume it will come together. I, I hope mean, so. It, it's Azarello. It's a tone piece. I don't really expect it to. Having read a lot of his stuff, and and being completely done with 100 bullets, by the way. <laughs> um, well, you pledged last week to drop it. I'm not buying the next one. Okay, I'm out. Good. Um, I don't expect a lot of answers, is my guess. And you want to go for the tone. He does. He does character. He does. He tries to create the. A lot of his characters are the same sort of aimless. Well, I've read know. some Azrael, not as much as you have. I read uh, the first trade of Hundred Bullets, which is really good. Um, God, first, first twenty issues or so were excellent. I read the story he did for um, Hellblazer, the Hard Time story, where he, in, Hellblazer's in prison. It's not like Oz, though. No. Actually, it was no. almost a ripoff of us. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, and I read his his year long Superman story, which made absolutely no sense. You really you read it for a whole year. Yes, I read the first issue, and I went, no, 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 no. It made no, no sense whatsoever, and uh, I feel like I probably read a thing or two here and there, maybe a short story or a single issue. But overall, I I don't did you get read it. Hulk? He did. It. Didn't you do a Hulk for a while? He did I Luke may Cage. Have... He did Luke Cage. Cage I did not was, read. Which they retconned basically. Yeah. Because they had him as super duper thug. I didn't read any of that. Yeah. It was nice. Well, who's that artist was that? He was like a horror artist, and it's got that little dot stipply style. Was it Corbin? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Nice work. Thank you. Pulling that out of the vault. I know. He's good. So anyway, Loveless, that's that. 
Um, New Avengers was, was good also. I am I'm on issue sort of. I missed the the part between issue 14 and the and the end of the first trade, but I doesn't seem like much has happened since then. So <laughs> except I don't know who the guy I don't know who the guy on the cover is. I've been thinking about that. Um, even though that guy on the cover doesn't doesn't appear in this book or. He wasn't in the lineup announcement in the last issue, or unless I'm mistaken. I don't know. He wasn't. I don't think. I believe, um, not being the Marvel historian that Ron is, and too bad he's not here to to clean this up. But um, this was a made-up character. One of those. Who is this? You know, for for a whole storyline, that the one, one of the ones you missed where they fought um, Silver Samurai and all these Japanese uh, ninjas and. Uh, it was one of those "Who is this guy?" character that was made up, and it's you know it was hinted that it was somebody recognizable under the costume, and you know so they intentionally led us to believe it might be Daredevil, especially because Bendis was writing it, and um, I believe at the end it turned out that it was revealed to be Echo. Echo? I think it was the girl. Yes. Really? Yes, I think that's who it is. She doesn't look like a girl. Well, that's. The, the wonders of maybe that's maybe echo unstable is the, molecules. Maybe Echo is the fake Daredevil. Ooh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that before. I thought it might be Black Widow because of that other cover where they have her suiting up in the Daredevil thing. Right. Or, um, I mean, it obviously appears to be a man, but this is common. Yeah, they can get past that. I think but, so. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that that is Echo on the cover, masquerading as this other person. But I could really be interesting. wrong. It's, it's not only a man; that's a giant man. Right. Anyway. Anyway, this was good stuff, and Canadian Super Team Alpha Flight. Uh, I think they're dead. Josh doesn't doesn't think they're dead. I, but. I don't think they killed them. They just sort of wasted them, and like they'll go and they'll. I don't know. They well, they look kind of dead. Basically, this this space creature human who looks kind of like a human torch comes down to Earth and starts uh, marching across Canada towards the U.S. Lands in Alaska, marches across Canada, and on a Along the way, wipes out a shield battalion, and Alpha Flight shows up very posed and says, "We're Alpha Flight. Stop what you're doing." And if if they are dead, I find it interesting that they made a bigger deal out of North Star being gay than him being killed. Right. Well, if, <laughs> if they are dead, there's been not a peep of it on the internet. I mean, you think you figure that would have caused a ruckus, but um... from the huge legions of, of well, again, the huge legions of Alpha Flight plans plans. They're Alpha Flight. I can't say it. Alpha Flight fans. That's hard. Alpha Flight fans who really don't want him to be gay, but really could, you know, if he lives or die, that's no Better big dead deal. than gay. It's really, I guess so. The message here. But, um, so they're actually, I don't think the new Avengers are, except for Tony Stark, aren't even in this issue, but. Mm, yeah, you're right, actually. It's all this and, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. This Tony artist, Stark. this artist, by the way, um, is like a, I don't know, like a J.G. Williams light, sort of. Right. Very nice. I really it like it. It is good. It's very good. I, I hated the original artist, Finch. I just, I just don't like his style. Yeah. I mean, I don't it's like that personally. Top style. I'm, sure he's, I'm sure he's a nice guy and all, but um, yeah, I don't like that overly rendered, you know, very sketchy '90s, late '90s image top cast style. I just, mm-hmm. I just don't never. It's never appealed to me. I like Frank Cho. Oh, um, Cho. He draws. He draws a sexy lady. <laughs> that he does. Some um, might say it's a little overwrought, but. Uh... But he's it, it might it would be overall if he wasn't good overall all around. Yeah, I mean you could you could you could arguably say that he draws his his men just as overly silly as his women. Sure. Granted, I mean, you, you might need giant muscles to fight crime, but you don't necessarily need giant breasts. That's true, but they don't hurt. <laughs> well, they could over time. They lead to back problems, uh, swelling, um, getting in the way, getting in the way. You're always knocking things over. 
Although the excuse for some of the more ridiculous character costumes in the past, like the Phantom Lady in the DC Universe, who basically wears two straps across her boobs, is that they're distracting. Uh, the whole the whole explanation is they distract the criminals into lulling them to, you know, boobies, and they get punched. And you know, you know what? That, I guess that's something. But there's actually a panel in here. Remember when Ron said something before about him thinking that Bendis writes White's Wolverine a little too stereotypical? Yes. You know what? I think I understand what he means now. Okay. Explain. He go. You know, it's funny. Bendis is really good with everybody, but he, on on the on Wolverine, he. He's a little too caricature of himself. And Are I you think... looking at a different issue? Because he's not in issue 16. No, no, he's in... He's, I'm sorry, I'm looking at 15. Because we were talking about... Well, Frank we can Cho. still talk about it. What, what, uh, what, is, what is he doing? He just... He's drinking milk and he's burping, like, out of the canister. And well, that's what Ron exactly said. I'm not was... going out on stage and playing Dancing Monkey. I see what he's saying. Because since then, I've, I've known him to be a little more, like, silent and stoic. Like, if you read um, Greg Rucka's run on it, on Wolverine. Right. Well, the thing about... Good. Team books are always like that. I mean, team, characters in team books tend to be more of their stereotypical uh, archetype characters than they are in their regular books, where there's more nuance. For instance, I'll take it back to DC because that's what I know best. In the J- Justice League books, Batman tends to be more of the stereotypical Batman than he is in in his own book. It's just, it's just simply because they don't get as much time. Yeah. You know? But it's almost better for them to say nothing sometimes. True. And like True. there's another there's another scene near the end of it with with Jessica Drew by the way who's who's very pregnant um which I guess she had her baby just after this Jessica Drew is Spider Woman isn't it Oh no I'm sorry I'm getting it mixed up who is it Jess- it's yeah, Jessica, Jessica something Jessica, Jessica Simpson Jessica yeah Alias. Jessica Jones Jessica Jones anyway she's like way pregnant but her breasts are ridiculously huge and then Wolverine is burping it's well. a little bit. It's a little too much, but... Well, um, this new artist, McNiven, he's a nice medium between Cho and, and Finch, mm-hmm. I think. I like Cho, though. I'd love to see more of his work in this stuff. So would I. I definitely would. Um, and I bet he makes more doing that than uh, <laughs> his indie books. Which oh, are sure. good. I've read Liberty Meadows a little bit. They're pretty funny. They're cutesy. They're weird. Um, They're like, he's got all these little cute animal creatures, and then, like, the most ridiculously overwrought female character ever. I can't remember her name at the moment, but... What is it about? Like... It is about um, an animal sanctuary, mm-hmm. and it's a strip. It's a comic strip. Um, oh, it's not a book. No, but there's slight like they'll do like you know how Calvin and Hobbes would do a week on something, right? They do it like that, and then where's it like, published? Uh, Image publishes it now, but he was self-publishing it for a while, I think. Interesting, interesting. I, I don't think it was. Um, I think it might be actually a little too risque to publish in papers, but it might have oh, been. Probably. I don't really know. It, it, but it's not. It's it's just like she just is is overly voluptuous, sort of. Right. I've um, seen I've seen the pic I've seen you know pictures from it. I just never know what what this pro- uh, premise was. It's cute. You know, it's it's is what it is. Um, but you know, he's obviously capable of really good work. Remember, it was like he was supposed to do a Shanna the She Devil series. I don't think that ever. He did came do out. it. He did. Yes. I bought the first issue because it got a lot of hype uh-huh. and. Um, I stopped buying on on philosophical grounds because Marvel censored a lot of it. Oh. Like, they, they first were touting it as being risque and, and, and more adult, mm-hmm. i.e. Like nakedness and things. But when it eventually came out, they they had uh, added, you know, clothing where there wasn't before and changed panels around so you couldn't... It was just... I mean, not, not that I care about that, but I care about it on a philosophical level is if you're going to 
if you're going to commission art and it didn't tout it as one thing, and then then you then you get scared and you censor Marvel, it. Then Marvel I is uh, stop buying that. Marvel's hedging their bets a lot because right. I think they know that a lot of their 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 customer base is is can be very conservative, um, and so they 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 skirt the line and they'll do things every once in a while which seem like they're gonna like they're progressive. But and I'm not even downing them for this because it's, it's smart business for them. I think sure because they could very easily alienate a lot of their customer base, and I think if we've seen nothing else, the right can stick together. You know what I did read? What I read X Factor Three, which I oh, right. I, I, admit I didn't manage to pick up. Uh, last week, so I'm gonna once again be the guy who who a couple comes weeks late to after, the party. Come, yeah, come late to the party. Um, it was great though, wasn't it? I really I enjoyed it. Uh, from the first opening scene where Siren, I guess, has I can't tell if she's dreaming or masturbating or something, but that's pretty risque. Sure. And Which she, yeah, she's talking about having sex with you and McGregor and and Obi Wan or uh, he is Obi Wan and Liam Neeson. Um, which I was like, that's unexpected. Um, <laughs> to to Layla Miller, who knows things, going indeed, as you said, quite dark. Right. So, I th- I think I think just Peter David's really locked into this character, these group of characters. He okay. always has been, and he he writes. You know, he can be very jokey and kind of um, overly hammy for some, mm-hmm. at sometimes. But he's when he's when he's really identifies with a character, like he did with the Hulk. Um, and X Factor and Aquaman, he he can really do a good good work. Do you know why? I I think that there were parts of this book that felt a lot like Strangers in Paradise. Really? I mean, I, I know you haven't read a lot of it, but the bits with with um the girl like singing as people like walk in on her naked, like, mm-hmm. and, you know the guy that's that feels a lot like Strangers in Paradise. That opening scene when they're and and when you know she's she's fantasizing about something right. or other, and they're talking about sex and like it just that. Wow, I mean, it's, and I can see why Ron really likes this book because I'm sensing a lot of that. The action scenes are actually the parts that I tend to, tend to pay the least attention to, but they're mm-hmm. important because they build up that tone. Um, what's with Strong Guy's hair? I don't want that. Strong Guy is in dire need of a makeover. He really is. He needs a redesign, bad pronto. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, it's good. It's, that's a really excellent superhero book too, and it's, it's it's got some good superhero stuff out these days. Yeah, but it's unusual I mean, he, for you. I, you know what? Like I said, when he got me to, re- I've really been wanting to read good comics lately. It's just really been hard to find them, and I think for a while I gave up. I said, I'm not trying anymore because I was, I was well, smacking the face too often by love. You see, I think that uh, next month when DC reboots a lot of that stuff, you might find some good stuff. I hope so. I, I think uh, it, I, I worry. I don't worry, but I think what'll happen is when Marvel rebooted. I mean, how many reboots have we seen since then? But we did for the first time in 97, 97 or so, 96. Right. Uh, And they had all those number ones, and they had, you know, Mark Waid and and, and Kirby Seek, and they were writing a lot of books, and there was like a great Captain America and a great Avengers and a great great Iron Man. It was all sorts of really good books. Right. And then they all sort of faded over time because they couldn't keep it up. But, you know, when it felt like it, it feels like at times if the companies want to, they can concentrate. Sure, fewer I mean? books, you can get better work out of it. Yeah, and and when they do that, you get great comics. And then when they don't concentrate and they're just putting out stuff, eh. well, ride it out while you can, I guess. I guess, yeah. Enjoy enjoy the good times while you can. So on iFanboy.com this week, we've had some interesting discussions. One of which uh, was a discussion on the relative merits of Grant Morrison as a writer. Uh, some people don't like him. Some people love him. Some people love him sometimes and don't like him others. Josh, your thoughts? Okay, I'll start because I'm the yapper. 
I think that I think that Grant Morrison's great strength is that I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to do a baseball metaphor. <laughs> he you does. hate those. Oh god, I do. He swings for the fences every time. Right. I mean, like there, I've I've never seen a book from him that I was like, he's so phoning this in. And I think that all of the greats have phoned it in. I think I think uh, I don't want to say it. I I think Warren Ellis. I'm not really calling him a great, but um, I think he, you can easily see when he phones it in. Sure. I've seen Garth Hennis phone it in. I've Absolutely. seen Mark Miller phone it in. I don't know if I've seen – maybe I have seen Bendis phone it in here or there. But Grant Morrison never does. And the problem with that is when you swing that hard, you're bound to miss some. Sure. And I and I think that he, he's got an amazing imagination. He gets very excited about an idea, and he'll go with it, and he doesn't always know how to conclude that idea. And I or sometimes it's, maybe it's just too much in his head. Perhaps. You know, I just can't get it on the page. Or maybe, you know, sometimes a great idea doesn't have a great solution. True. And I, and I think that that happens a lot where, you know, he just – he's like this, this great concept, this amazing thought and no real way to end it. And I've seen him end things really quickly. I think that's – I've called that Grant Morrison syndrome, like when a book just is going great and then all of a sudden it's over. I also think that perhaps that Sasset style, the big idea, crazy, uh, out there ideas, it might be too much for some people. Maybe. Some people's tastes probably run towards more traditional style storytelling. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely not traditional in his storytelling style. I like him in there as a different sort of flavor. He's, sure. He's the hot sauce to the... <laughs> To the simple food. Like, Look, he's had some great stuff. I think the, the three of us agree, not everyone does, but the three of us agree that his his Justice League run is up, ranks up there as one of the best. I've yet Justice League, superhero Justice runs, League. just in general, comic book runs. Mm-hmm. Um, filth would be the other side of the coin. The filth was, his Filth miniseries from, was just not good. I bought every one of them. I respect <laughs> you for that. I don't know why. I don't know why I do either, but you... Stuck with it, and it just never came around. I, I gave it th- three or four issues before I finally uh, just couldn't take it anymore. And I, I really liked the first issue. It was Chris really... West in art. That guy's great. It is. He is great. He did and... Ministry of Space. By the way, there's another Warren Ellis book that I really liked. That was a good book, too. Although it was like a year between issues. That's, that's also a problem. But um, Filth, not so good. Uh, his Seven Soldiers, which is this very ambitious project he's got going... Uh, it's a series of four issue miniseries. It's probably eight to ten of them, and and there's also a a cohesive miniseries just called Seven Soldiers. That's about seven issues long, and uh, it's all it's going to end up being like fifty or sixty books I've heard in total. It's really good. Some of it is really good. Some of it is not really good. It's mm-hmm. just it's the Grant Morrison formula. Some of his some of his ideas work, and he really gets them. And some of them, you know, nice try, but that didn't that one didn't hold together so well. God love him for trying though. Sure, I mean. It's something different, and when it, when it works, it's it's really great. His, I got handed his We Three, um, little short graphic novel I did with Frank Quietly last week. Somebody at work, uh, her boyfriend had gotten it from somebody, and he wasn't interested in it, so she gave it to me. And uh, it's really good. It's about these, this government plan to develop, uh, you know, more and better soldiers with exoskeletons, and this time they decide instead of using people, they'll use um, household pets. Mm-hmm. So there's like a dog and a cat and a rabbit. In a, and they put them in these exoskeletons, and of course, what happens? They they get smart and they escape and blow blow things up, and it's good. This is this is one of those big Grant Morrison ideas that actually worked, and it was fun and entertaining. And that's funny because that came out, I think, right after 
I don't know. I think after the filth, I was like, ah, no, I'm not taking this. So I let it lay for a little while, and then, uh, and then Sea Guy came out. And I thought, ah, it's a Vertigo series. I'll give it a try. Sea Guy. It was awful. <laughs> it was so, I think it was worse than the filth because it wasn't even interesting. It was just crazy. And I think we three came out right about the same time or right after that. And I was like, never again, buddy. Never. You're not. You're not abusing me anymore. <laughs> and so I didn't. I've learned it. my lesson. Oh. Yeah. So you can't tell with him. Well, that's the danger. You know, it was great. Uh, and I don't know how many people remember it or how many people bought it, but his Marvel Boy series when Marvel Knights first came out. I've heard that was good. I didn't actually buy uh, that either. J.G. Williams or J.G. Jones art. Uh, it was I think it was four or five issues, and in the end, the enemy end up, ended up being this giant uh, uh, living corporation organism. Thing. That's that's cool. It was like this big cube abstract thing, and it was sentient. It was the strangest thing, and it, it was all these other things around it that made it interesting, and all these ideas of what a what a giant corporation would do to people who had its own organ organism and, and, and sentient thoughts. And it was just like it was it was the good side of him. It was what he does best. And well, for instance, some of the Seven Soldier stories that worked. One of the characters is the Guardian, who is um, he's like a low level. Vigilante character in in Metropolis, which you know you don't you don't have a lot of business when you're a low level vigilante in Metropolis. <laughs> There's not a lot to do uh, with Superman there, but um, so he takes him here and he uses him as the face of a newspaper. This new, newspaper hires him to be their you know their their personal superhero who goes out and when he when he fights crime, he's also prom- you know promoting the newspaper and because the Guardian is a very newspaper sounding name. Um, so not very, it's not very, not very journalistically opti- op- objective, is it? No, but you know, have you read a newspaper lately? No. There you go. It's there's a lot, a lot of just objective journalism left. But um, one of the things he ends up fighting against is uh, in the Metropolis subways are these pirates who have, they've got their own subway car and they go flying around the system and they, you know, they show up in a platform and they jump off like they're you know, raiding a ship or a little village and <laughs> they've got patches and swords and peg legs and they talk like R and they, it's, it was just a wacky, funny idea that worked really well. Cause they were kind of scary. And I, I, I ride the subway every day and I thought, you know, what would I do if a subway car full of pirates showed up? I'd be <laughs> terrified. You know, that's, that's a pretty scary notion. So that's that brilliant. was something that worked. Um, and his, I like his crime fighting Frankenstein monster, which I think is a really, really funny idea. <laughs> Um, with a, he's got a big sword and a gun, and he's actually Frankenstein's monster. But anyway, I just you know he he his great 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 ideas, and when they work, they're excellent. When they don't work, it's just awful awful comics. But you know he doesn't. Some people just don't like him. It, he rubs yeah. them the wrong way. I guess. I think his X Men run would fall into both camps. I think some things really really worked, and some things didn't. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it all. I don't think it paid off the way. Yeah, know. I think ultimately it was it was slightly unsatisfying. Although the beginning was really good, mm-hmm. and his, I really liked his idea that. Not every mutant power would be something that you could use to fight crime, right? You know, because that's something that really hasn't been explored a lot. Is that some people might just have big heads, and it should, you know, be. or funky, funky eyes. You know, not everybody, not everybody can shoot laser beams out of their hands or grow claws. You know what I mean? Yeah, he had some wacky ideas for mutants too. I mean, like it was like the chicken guy. <laughs> chicken guy's not doing anything for anybody. And there was um, Jesus, was Zorn. Zorn wasn't his. Zorn ended up being Magneto, didn't it? Zorn was Magneto, yes. But, I mean, the mutant power I thought was interesting. He was a sure. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, he's he, that's him in a nutshell. Big ideas that sometimes they pay off. And I know, you know, Josh used the metaphor, and he doesn't like the baseball metaphor because he's 
a communist, but um, he he is very apt. He's he Grant Morrison is a baseball slugger who doesn't do anything but hit, and he goes up there and he's, every time he comes up, he swings for the fences and he either hits the ball 450 feet or he strikes out. When he hits the ball 450 feet, it's a beautiful thing. When he strikes out, it's really ugly. Yeah, and 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 you know, take that as you will. But and sometimes it's possible you just don't like his voice. It's true, you know. Some people just it don't. Is, like... It is a unique voice, if nothing else. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just some people just taste tastes are varied. That's a great thing about comics. There's so many of them. You can find what you like. <clears throat> so let's see. I believe we are a little short on the viewer mail this week, but we did get one. One really good one. I'm going to read it because I can't really do it justice otherwise. Go ahead. Uh, following, we were talking about ads in comic books last week and really bad ads and, and their inability to figure it out. This one, let's see. I just finished listening to your discussion on ads in comics and some of the ads that disturb you. I would have to say the most disturbing ad in comics today is for Zit Cream and has BMX or Dave Mira in it. Now, the fact that they're selling Zit Cream is not disturbing to me, nor is Mr. Mira, because let's face it, he's hot. The disturbing part is the tweaked-out girl with the dreads in the background. She looks like she needs a place to lay down for a while and let whatever she has wear off, or whatever she's on wear off. Plus, she looks kind of dirty, and she needs to hit that thang with a rag every once in a while. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Now, I'm a gay either. guy. I can definitely appreciate the female form and all its splendor, but I don't see how Sally Methhead selling zip cream is appealing to 14-year-old boys. Of course, I also think the Paris Hilton has a sloppy snooter. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Am I in the minority here? And then he thinks, since this podcast is good and we love that, but uh, that's creative writing at its finest right there, people. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that means. I don't either, but I've seen the ad, and he's right. I haven't it's seen the ad. It's a horrible ad. It's just one of those things where, like, well, we got to put something in the comic book. It's one of those ads where the where the the ad agency says, "Let's go edgy," so we'll put a girl who looks like she's on heroin in it. Yeah, nice. that's kind of it. Nice. It's a bad ad, but uh, that's from Alessio in Florida. I would find that a lot of comic book ads are just bad overall. Yeah, they just don't have to do. I mean, they they a lot of a lot of print ads are bad if you read magazines. Sure. Um, so it's not, it's just the art of it is gone. On the back of this comic book I'm looking at, this is the new Avengers. There is, it's like a claymation ad for bubble tape. Yeah, this isn't getting anyone to buy this. <laughs> they just don't know who they're talking to right now, I think it is. No, it is. See, they can't decide if it's kids or... Anyway, we already did that. Yeah, we don't drive that into the ground again. We could, though. So, uh, Alessio, he went and put his, his, his uh, pin in the frapper map, and uh, along with a bunch of it, we're so nearly at 60. In fact, by the time you listen to this, we could be over 60, or it might Possibly be 80? Completely. Yeah, because we don't know when you'll listen to this. Um, We've had some good, uh, a fellow Brooklynite Bill, who uh, put the pen in the map, the, the digital arcanist, who is from Ocampo, California, he put a pen in the map Alessio from Florida, Patrick from Spokane, Washington, who... That's... that's Come on. He looks just like the Patrick who put a pin in the map from Atlanta, so I'm not and sure the, what's going on here. And the Atlanta pin's gone. Is it? Is no, it? it's not. It's here. Oh, no, it's not. I'm sorry. I think I don't know where Atlanta is. It's in the north part of Georgia. See, I thought it was in the south. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. wrong. And Tom Denick in Santa Monica, California, who's actually a um, independent film, comic book maker on his own right. Uh, Jerome T.M. Bang in Duncanville, Texas. We've got quite a few pins in Texas. Um, Cameron in La Crescenta, California, who also posts on the website. Thank you, Cameron. Luke in Atchison, Kansas. Doug in St. Paul, Minnesota, who actually uh, spurred on this Grant Morrison conversation. He's had some uh-huh. good, good stuff lately. Uh, that's true. we got we got a lot of Kansas going on, a little Missouri going on. 
It's um, all uh, Texas, which I think we have a lot of support in Texas, but I think it's just a big state. True. I think there's four pins or something in there. Arizona, doing well. Anyway. But we still need, you know, some of the South, other countries. We got South America. South America. Buenos Dias, South America. We got somebody send us send us listener mail from there. We think you'd put a pin in the map. Just yeah. make us happy, because there's not a lot of joy in our lives. We got Australia. We really just need Africa. We would like somebody from the homeland of Ireland, way, Ireland to put a pin in the map. Oh, word! I hadn't even thought of that. We you got know? Scotland and England. We got Josh Flanagan and Connor Kilpatrick. Put somebody. No, in. you know what? We have Scotland, England, and Wales. And no Ireland. No Ireland or, or Northern Ireland. I would take either. <laughs> Africa, hello. Yeah, I would like to get something from Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. <laughs> that would be a good time. Can they Turkey. get comics there? I'm sure. I just read Claremont Run on. I read Claremont Run on X Men now. It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll take it. You know. I would, and, and those are good comics. But if you like putting a, putting a pen in the map, you're listening. www.frapper.com/ifanboy. Frapper spelled F-R-A-P-P-R. Or you can go to ifanboy.com. Look in the upper right hand corner. There's a little link for the Frapper map. You can. Click on that and you get to the get to the map and say hello. Come to ifanboy.com and talk. Talk about. If you want to respond to anything we say, you can do it uh, on there. And we're watching, we're listening, we'll we'll talk with you. Uh, there's not so many people now that we can't pay attention. So, <laughs> um, but there's always enough people that there's something to talk about, and yep. that's been something that's really fun been going on lately. Lots a lot of good a lot of good discussion lately. Mm-hmm. And if you want to talk about pornography, Toga's always up for that. <laughs> you can't let that go. No. <laughs> um, also, if you want to send us an email, say hi. You know, we we love good email. We love we love email telling us we're bad. We like to improve. We like to, you know. No one if says you have a perfect. story you want us to post on the site, send that along. Contact at ifanboy.com is the way to go. We'd love to hear from you. So this has been the great lost episode of the iFanboy podcast. Hopefully, you'll hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> we're not very important. The world that keeps spinning. Slightly slightly slower, but it'll spin. But that's probably more physics related than it is the pod- podcast. I never bought that Superman spinning the world backwards thing. I think that would probably just kill us. I, that's exactly what would happen. We would all die. Which would, I think, be antithetical to his purpose. Yeah. I mean, he's supposed to be smart, right? Yeah. Stupid Superman. 